Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. I would love to pray and we'll get into the sermon in Mark's Gospel. And we're in Mark's gospel, and I love Mark's gospel because it's the most real and unfiltered gospel account, I believe. It's like, I think someone said in my community group this past week, it's like the unfiltered, like, it just seems very chaotic. If you look at like John's gospel or Matthew's gospel, it just sounds a little bit more eloquent or a little more like philosophical, but Mark's gospel is like Jesus is immediately doing this and this and this and this and this, and he's driving up this person, this demon from this person, he's going to heal this person, and it sounds very like chaotic. And I think for us, it just shows us the unfiltered Jesus. So let's pray, and we'll get into this sermon in Mark 2, verse 1 to 12. God, thank you for who you are. I think about the week that we are coming from and looking ahead to the next week, and some of us have come through struggles. Some of us have had a great week. Some of us have drifted away from you forgotten. Lord, I pray that you remind us this morning that we need people in our lives to, to bring us to you, to remind us of you. Father, would we desire you more? Would I desire you more in my life? all the distractions and all the things that we look to every single week to give us significance and meaning, the things that we're actually asking. If you would just do this for us, our life would be better. But Lord, I pray that we'd see that you are the thing that makes us beautiful, our whole life beautiful. It's your life, it's your death, it's your resurrection that changes us. I thank you for this group of people. I thank you for this church that's on mission in Kelowna to see people come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of my favorite books, and, um, and actually I think it's one of my kids' favorite movies, um, is a famous C.S. Lewis book on the Narnia trilogy, and it's called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Has anybody actually read this book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader? A couple people. I would say go and read this book. Don't watch the movie. The movie is like, mm, it's okay, right? The book is incredible. And I remember one year, my kids and I, we read through quite a few of these books out loud, um, at night, I'd read through a little bit, but it's a classic book, and it's about kids who enter into a wardrobe, or they enter into a new world, and have new adventures, and they encounter, you know, mythical kind of like creatures, they actually encounter a Christ-like figure, Aslan, Um, but in the book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, there's a little boy in this book called Eustace. He's about 12 years old, and everybody hates him, and he actually hates everybody else. He's selfish, he's mean, nobody can get along with him, and he finds himself on this boat with some of his friends. The Dawn Treader taking this great voyage. At one point, the boat pulls onto an island, and Eustace wanders off and finds a cave, and the cave's filled with treasure and loot and diamonds and rubies. And he looks around and he says, I'm rich. Right? Immediately, it's because he looks at the fact and said, I'm going to actually be able to pay every single person back, if you know what I mean. He said, I'm going to be rich, and those people that laughed at me and stepped on me, now I'm going to laugh at them, and I'm going to step on them. 
He falls asleep on all this treasure, but he doesn't know it's the hoard of a dragon. He falls asleep on the treasury of a dragon because he falls asleep with greedy, C.S. Lewis says, dragonish thoughts in his heart. When he wakes up, he has become a dragon. A big, horrible, ugly, terrible dragon. As time goes on, he realizes he can't go back to the boat. Because if he goes back as a dragon, what's going to happen? They don't want to kill him because they don't understand it's useless. They think it's a dragon. There's no way out. He can't return. He can't go back. There he's going to be alone forever. He's going to be, a, he's going to be horrible like this all of his life. And he's practically lost all hope. He's lost, lost all hope of changing from this dragonish little boy. Maybe you can relate with that. Maybe you and I can relate with the thoughts of, if I just had this, I could step on this person. I could show people how great I am. Those dragonish thoughts, those awful thoughts. It says, one day the great lion Aslan shows up and leads him to a clear pool of water. In a paraphrase, it says, undressed and just jump in, Eustace. He's trying to say, just, just get yourself clean. And Eustace realizes, okay, I can undress myself. So as a dragon, he rips his scales off. He shreds them apart. But as he shreds them off, he realizes, actually, they just grow back. He does it one time, and the second time, and the third time. He says, I cannot shed my skin. But Aslan says, actually, I can help you with this. It says he works his claws, and it felt like the claws reached down into Eustace's heart, and he pulled the scales off into these huge stumps of a dragon. And Eustace gets thrown into this, this lake, and he becomes a little boy again. But it says this is the moment where Eustace was changed, transformed. It's a great example for us when C.S. Lewis is talking about someone who actually left their old life and became not like their dragonish life, the sin, the brokenness, but actually becomes this new person in Christ. You see, maybe you've had a moment like this. I think if you're a Christian for any period of time, you understand what it feels like to have Jesus come into your life and rip into your heart so deeply. It changes so much about who you are. It changes your identity. It changes your person. It changes everything about you. You see, when you follow a Jesus who isn't like us, who isn't like you or me, isn't just like my thoughts, a Jesus who actually is so incredibly, remarkably different, when you encounter a God who is like no one else you've ever encountered, you realize that, as we're talking about this, this man today, this paralyzed man, you realize that we're all so much like Eustace that when we think that if we can just get a little bit of help, if we just get a little bit more money or a better job or a better relationship, that ultimately we can save ourselves. Like I think we look in a society that we're so self-sufficient. Are we not? Like, when was the last time you asked someone for help? Like, isn't it as painful to ask someone for help? Like, something you should be confident about? I remember one time in January, and uh, we were painting these old offices. <laughs> and um, I had two bags at the front door. I had a bag where I had to bring all this painting supplies, and I had a bag where I had to bring um, clothes to, like, the Salvation Army, right, or Value Village. And um, 
was in such a rush that morning, I just grabbed any bag, and I'm running out the door because I'm late. And I get to the offices, and there's Levi and David and some other guys. And Levi says, did you bring the painting stuff? And I was like, of course I did. I'm not an idiot, right? But I looked down the bag, and it was all the clothes. (laughs) And I just was like, I am not having a great day. Right? Like, what I was trying to say is, I can't do this on my own. I can't be self-sufficient. I think for us, it looks like, when was the last time you actually needed Jesus in your life? When was the last time remembering when you needed Jesus? Like, really needing Jesus. Just like Eustace needed Aslan to come and rip the scales off him. When was the last time you needed Jesus to come into your life and rip some scales off of you? Some sin, some brokenness. You see, when we see our own need for Jesus, we're looking at the story today of the paralytic in Mark chapter 2, if you want to go there in your Bibles. But I think it shows us how often we have a city right in front of us in Kelowna that deeply needs Jesus. We have a city that needs Jesus. But there's two accounts in this, in this gospel narrative where I think so often it's like, do we see a city in need of Jesus, or do we see a city in need of judgment? Like, what do you see? Like, I think all so often it comes back to, how have we needed Jesus? How have we needed a Savior? How have we needed someone to come into our life and change us? It makes us look at the city a different way. And we'll look at this in, the, in this Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. But do you see a city in need of Jesus, or a city in need of judgment? That's what I want us to think about today. I want us to look at this idea that Jesus' friend, sorry, this, this paralytic's friends saw his need for Jesus and how Jesus responded to the paralytic's deepest needs. It wasn't the needs that he really wanted healed, but it was his deepest need. Let's go into Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. We use a translation here called the CSB, and um, I think it's a great translation. They say it's the most... Uh, readable and accurate translation on the market. Um, if you're looking for another translation, buy like someone said to me once, when you go to the, the Christian bookstore or Amazon, like where do you find a translation? There's so many translations out there. Um, the CSB is a really readable translation, super accurate. Also like the ESV is a great translation. If you're going to go, you can go to Bible app. It's all free on there. Um, version is a great Bible app. But here's it. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when he entered Capernaum, again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the word to them. They carried to him, bringing a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes, religious leaders, were sitting there questioning their hearts. Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus perceived their spirit, that they were thinking like this, within themselves and said to them, 
Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But so that you may know. I love this right there. <laughs> right? Like, can you imagine Jesus saying, just so you know? Like, nothing drives me more crazy than someone's like, just so you know? <laughs> right? Like, it's like a, a flex on someone. But so that you may know, the Son of Man has authority. It's authority word again. You know, you look back in the last few weeks, Jesus talks a lot about, Mark talks a lot about Jesus' authority over the spiritual and the physical. But just so you may know, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralytic, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this before. You see, this is an interesting passage. A lot of, there's a lot of passages in Mark's gospel. And so often, people say to me when we're preaching through the gospel of Mark, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, people say, man, there's a lot of weird stuff in there. And this is a unique passage where, where does it fit? And even look at the flow of the passage where Jesus heals a man. He heals him, actually. He doesn't say he heals him physically first. He says, your sins are forgiven. But I want to talk about initially the friends versus these scribes. The first thing is, these friends, what happens is they saw their friend's need and there was hope that Jesus could heal their friend. Right? In order to understand the actions and how profound this was, it's incredible to actually like, to visualize the layout of a first century Palestinian peasant's home that Jesus was in. He used a small one-bedroom structure with a flat roof and the access to the roof was stairs on the side of the house. The roof itself was made by wooden beams with uh, thatch, compacted earth in order to kind of shed the rain to the side. They would actually typically sleep on these roofs. So it was pretty sturdy. But the four men saw a need. They saw maybe a friend. They saw a paralytic. And what happened was they went out and they brought him back to Jesus. And they said that they actually saw that there was no room in the doorway because he's preaching and teaching. There was no room. So someone probably had this great idea. We're going to walk up these stairs. We're going to dig through this roof and we're going to lower him down. It couldn't be more dramatic. You see, if you think about the difference between the friends and these scribes, the religious leaders here in this passage, his friends, they hear about Jesus. They see their friend's need for healing. They bring him to Jesus no matter what. And they have hope that Jesus can change him. There's hope. The religious friends, not just friends, religious people there, the scribes, the Pharisees, they're shocked about Jesus' claims all the time. They're actually there not to bring anyone to Jesus, but actually to, to spar with him, to argue. They're angry in this passage about Jesus' claims, and they don't know Jesus at all. They just know the right actions, the Pharisees. They say the, the goodness of the Pharisees and the scribes. This so often comes up in other gospel accounts. You see, his friends saw a deep need, a deep need that a paralytic man needed to be healed, and maybe, just maybe, Jesus could show up, or they could bring him to Jesus, and Jesus would change his whole life. Like, don't we need friends like that? Like, don't you and I need friends just like that? I was reading an author in the last year. 
And she says that, Brene Brown says that we need three people in our lives that are always going to be there no matter what. Three people. <laughs> Mark's saying, actually, no, we need four. We need four people that no matter what's in your life, whether it's like their best week or your worst week, whether or not you got the worst news of your life, that those people are going to push, pull, and drag you back to Jesus. They're going to remind you of what you really need. They're going to hope that when you get pulled back, brought back into Jesus, that Jesus would actually change and transform your life. Something would happen deeply in your soul that actually you'd be changed because they're changed by Jesus. I had a really tough past year, and I remember in February, I came to the office one day, and um, this one person said to me, she goes, you know, um, in this season of your life, you're the paralytic. <laughs> and we're going to, every single day, until you feel better, we're going to carry you to Jesus. And initially, I was like, I don't need help. Maybe you've been like that. But I went home and I thought about it, bawled my eyes out. Like there was nothing I could do. If I had friends in my life, like Levi and Victoria, Dave and Anna, my friends Roger and Carrie that pushed me back to Jesus, Mark and Nancy, my lowest moments of my life. I think we all need friends like that. We all need people in our lives when the wheels fall off our car <laughs> in our life. When nothing goes to plan. That these people don't question who God is in our life. They just remind us constantly of who Jesus is, what he's done, how good he is, how great he is. You see, his friends, this paralytic, they saw the need, they met the need, they brought him to Jesus, hoping that Jesus would transform and change him. You see, when you look at our city, Kelowna, there's people all around us every single day. Like people are going to come into these theaters this afternoon and watch a James Bond movie or whatever. <laughs> but people have stories, they have brokenness, they have complex lives. People who walk with a limp. Limps that we don't even know about. But so often, just like this paralytic man, we're talking about this in a second here, that so often he just thought, if I could just walk, my life would be better. But so often for us, it's like, if I just had this, my life would be better. If I just had more money or a better job or a better career or a better relationship, if I just had this, my life would look so much different or better. We have all people around us asking these questions. If I just had this, my life would be so much different. And Jesus says, no, no, actually, there's a deeper need than just your legs to a paralytic. For us as a church, if you go to our website, it says that we're a church on a mission to reach as many people possible at all costs. Our message is the gospel, which really is that we're broken, sinful people in need of a Savior, and we believe that Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection changes us and gives us a new hope and a new identity. It sets us free to live as God wants us to be. You see, look at this dramatic scene 
And if someone came and, and broke through the roof and brought a paralytic down, it would disrupt everything. Like Levi wouldn't be able to lead worship here, right? Like you guys have like probably moved to the sides. He'd come down. I'd be like, okay, let's stop. What's your problem? <laughs> right? That's what happened in this passage. What Jesus is saying to this man, he says, your sins are forgiven. You think about it in a modernized society, in a Western culture, where it's like, Jesus, you're kind of missing the point here, aren't you? It's like we're lowering him down, and he says, your sins are forgiven, but you're actually, you're missing the point. My greatest need isn't that. My greatest need is to walk. My greatest need is to be healed. My greatest need is my legs to fully function. You see, the, the biggest problems in your life right now or my life right now are not our suffering, but it's our sin. But so often we just cannot, I cannot handle the pain, the suffering, the struggle. Jesus realized his deepest struggle, his deepest problem was something so much deeper than just his legs. It was his sin. His deepest need wasn't just his legs being able to walk. He needed forgiveness of all the things he's done. See, I think when you look at someone like the paralytic that Jesus is talking to in the story in Mark's gospel, like the main problem in your life is not what's happened to you. It's not what people have done to you. It's not what's occurred. So often the main problem your main problem, my main problem is the wrong way you've responded to what's happened in your life. We can't go back and change what's happened to us or about what's, what other people have done to us. But you can do something about yourself. What Jesus is saying here is that by coming to me and simply asking for your body to be healed is not going deep enough. It's not going deep enough. What Jesus is saying to this man is, you've underestimated the depths of your longing, the depths of the human longings. Like, what does that really mean for you and I? It says everyone in the world, of course, who is paralyzed is going to want to walk with every single fiber of their being. It's only natural. But surely this man would have been resting all his hopes in that. And that would have been deep down in his heart. If I could just walk. He's almost surely saying, if I could just walk again, my life would be right. I would never be unhappy. I would never be discontent. I'd never complain. I would be complete. If I could just walk, then everything would be all right. And Jesus is saying here is actually, no, no, you're getting this all wrong. He's saying, you know what? When I heal you, when he truly heals us, not just heals your legs. If I just heal your legs, what's going to happen is you're going to become unhappy. Just, just wait a month or wait four or wait six. Like, isn't that us? You get the thing that you actually want, the thing you long for, and then eventually becomes not good enough. 
like, I, I wanted this, but actually I wanted, I still feel discontent. My friends and I were talking about this just recently about how the psychology of Amazon, right? And Amazon is an amazing thing. Where when you go to the Amazon store, and it's like there's like a marketplace. There's like there's some, some new things always scrolling through. And maybe you're like me where I'm a sucker for buying things, right? I'm like, man, if I just bought um, a bidet, right? I'd be happy. <laughs> if I just bought a heated mattress pad, oh, man, that'd be amazing. You know, my friend was saying um, one month she had 151 packages delivered to her house. Right? And I was like, man, I should count how many packages get delivered to my house. But Amazon knows the human condition that we are discontent people. That no matter where you are in your life, the best or the worst moments, that we feel like there's never enough. And Jesus is saying here is that the roots of discontentment in the human heart go deep, they go so deep. See, I think the big problem for us is that we're actually looking for something beside Jesus. See, almost all of us, we have this deeper need in us. We're asking this question of what can complete us, what can make us happy, significant. And that's the biggest problem in our life. Just like the paralytic said, if I just had legs, my life would be complete and perfect. You see, Jesus wants us to understand he's not playing some joke on us of giving us our deepest wish until he's actually shown us that it's been him all along. You see, he's not going to give you the thing that we want, we desire deeply until we realize that the thing that we really truly desired for like all of our being is Jesus. It's not a better car or a better house or a better career or a better relationship, it's Jesus. I'm going to bring the band back up here as we close. But I want us to know that the paralytic didn't need to walk. He needed Jesus. He needed forgiveness. He needed a new life, not just a set of new legs. See, Jesus obviously healed the man's legs, but he'll just long for something else, and Jesus realized that. So you can truly heal a person's heart. It doesn't matter if that man ever walks again because he'll have hope in his life. You see, maybe some of you have gone through some really hard moments in your life and when you encounter Jesus, it doesn't matter the moments moving forward because you always remember what Jesus did in your life and the pain and the suffering and the brokenness. Jesus didn't want to give this man just new legs. He wanted to give him a brand new life. In verse 12, it says, Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. You see, when we've really encountered, you and I have really encountered Jesus, what do we do? We go out into our city to people around us, family members, coworkers, people in coffee shops, people that like bump up to our lives all the time and say, Guess what? There's someone who is like no one else. 
There's someone in my life who healed something I didn't even need healing from. I didn't know I needed healing from. Actually, I wanted healing in this way. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's I want fulfillment in a career. But Jesus saw me and gave me new life and a new identity. And that changed the way I looked at my relationship and my job and my kids and my spouse. It changes everything about me. It goes back to this section about Eustace in the voyage of the dawn treader. It says here, I was afraid of his claws. I can tell you, but I was nearly desperate. So the first terror he made went so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began to pull off the skin, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. See, being a witness in Kelowna is so much like that. It's saying Jesus changed me so deeply that I cannot shake it off. That my life doesn't look perfect. There's brokenness and there's sin. But I have a need that God healed, a real need in my life. My need was Jesus. So as a sinful, broken person, He showed the circumstances of my life that it wasn't just healing a relationship. It was actually healing my desperation for him. See, Jesus wants to go so much deeper into our lives than just the cosmetics, just the surface things. He actually wants to come into your life to make you a daughter or son, a beloved child of him. We're to stand and we're to sing into that. Let's pray. God, I thank you for healing the deepest needs of our lives. That so often we're like the paralytic that I'm like that, where I want something to be fixed, healed. If you just remove the brokenness, but Lord, that you want to show us our longings and how we can be found ultimately in you. We put our hope and our trust in you, Jesus, that your life, your death, your resurrection, it changes us. Show us this week how you want to go deeper into our life. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.